Okay, do not jump up, all right? But if you own a blue Toyota Prius, uh, your car's running and what have you, wait a little bit and then go out. Nobody will know it's you. Yeah. How many of you have questions when, when it comes to your faith? You know, that I wonder how many of you have questions when there are certain things that happen in your life uh, or certain things don't happen. And so you, you kind of find yourself in the dark. I mean, do you ever have questions when you look at your future and it looks uncertain to you? Sometimes we don't understand the things that have happened in our life or that don't happen in our life. And I believe it raises a lot of doubt. It raises a lot of doubt in life. And I know today that for some of you, that's exactly where you are. You don't get it. You don't understand it. You don't want to be there. But the reality is it's where you are. You know, sometimes I I get thinking about things and I think it is really hard to kind of get your mind around the fact that God is omniscient, uh, which means God knows the future. God knows the future before it happens. And God has this complete, unlimited knowledge, and it's hard for me to understand. And And then you mix with that the fact that we all have free will. You have free will, I have free will. And I think it's really difficult to understand how, how God can see that. But we have free will. You know, sometimes I find myself in situations. Uh, sometimes it's because of something I did or I created the situation. Sometimes I end up in situations because of what someone else did. And there are times I end up in these, these situations and I don't know how. I got there. It just kind of catches me off guard, and the reality is it's where I am. But God is never caught off guard. God is never surprised by a situation in your life. God's never caught off guard and goes, I don't know how they got there. God knows before you ever start. That's hard to understand, isn't it? You know, sometimes I'm scanning the news or, you know, something will uh, come across the net as late-breaking news. And there are many, many times that I just shake my head. You know, wars, nuclear threats, famine, natural disasters, some, some tragedy, uh, you know, whether it be human trafficking or you know, the, the fact that uh, there's, there's a terrible storm or something, something just uh, where you just shake your head uh, and go, I, I don't get it, you know. And then you add in a little bit of cover-ups and scandals and that kind of stuff. I don't understand. I just don't get it sometimes. And it challenges me. You know, sometimes I, I think maybe, maybe society has just gotten what they wanted. You know, the fact is, they want life without God, and so they got it. But most of the time, when I'm facing those kind of things, and I'm reading about those things, or maybe they're happening in my life, I just struggle. I struggle with it. I think, where's God in that? 
can you see God when you don't understand something? I mean, can you see God when something in your life doesn't make sense? It's not what you wanted. It's not what you asked for. See, today I want us to realize that we do not have to understand everything to believe in something. There are lots of things I don't understand. Some things I believe are unexplainable. Sometimes I have more questions than I do answers. In fact, that's a lot. Uh, I think the older I get, the more, more questions I have and the less answers I have. And that's kind of the case in the story that we're going to look at today. Scripture says, and Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been born blind. Now, how many of you have ever played the game Blind Man's Bluff or uh, Marco Polo? Yeah. I was playing my, my. I was with my grandkids uh, this week, and uh, we uh, were in the pool, and we were we were playing. And uh, you know, it's a fun game. It's where you designate somebody, and they're it, so to speak, and you blindfold them, or you're not supposed to peek. Good luck uh, with that, uh, if you know. But uh, anyway. You're supposed to kind of compensate with your, your other senses, and you got, it's kind of difficult sometimes to get your bearing and to navigate and try and find the people that are playing, playing the game, but it's just a game. It's just a game, all right? This guy is blind. I really cannot imagine what it would be like to be blind, and let alone be blind from birth. You know, the only thing that even I can remotely uh, look at, I've kind of hit that age in my life where my arms need to be longer, you know. It's like, we'll be out for dinner, and I'm like, honey, could you hold the menu so I could see what to order? And uh, how many of you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) The fact is, some days I'm fine. Some days I can read without a problem. And at worst... I just, things are kind of blurry for me. And so, you know, when it comes to physically seeing, I need a little, little bit of assistance or a little bit of distance to make it happen. Minor, minor inconvenience. This guy has been blind since birth. This guy, what that would mean is he's never seen a sunset. He's never seen the sun rise. He, he doesn't know what his mom and dad look like. This guy, because of the day and time that he lived in, it meant no opportunities, no education, no job. He is blind, and he has to resort to begging to survive. Scripture says his disciples, talk about Jesus' disciples, Asked him, teacher, whose sin caused him to be born blind? Was it his own or his parents' sin? Now, again, in Jesus' day, people believed that if there was a physical problem in life or if something happened in your life, it was someone's fault. You know, somebody was to blame for it. In other words... They're they're like, okay, did this guy do something to deserve this? Or or did his parents do something? I mean, obviously, God is punishing this guy 
for something that he's done or someone's done wrong. That was the common mentality. It wasn't a correct mentality. It's not, it is not biblically based in any way, but that's where people went with this, okay? In fact, sometimes I'll run into people still today that they kind of operate with that mentality. And I, I've heard people say crazy things. They'll go, oh, they, they got cancer because they must have done something wrong. Or, you know, oh, their, their kids are on drugs because they did something wrong. And, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, that is not connecting the dots properly. That's a message for another day. But the reality is, that's the mentality in that day. So you kind of got this insult and they're going to add injury to that insult. Because not only is this guy blind, but the popular opinion, the disciples are asking about it, they go, it must be his fault or his parents' fault that he's blind. Jesus is going to make a stunning statement. It says, his blindness has nothing to do with his sin or his parents' sin. See, he's pushing against the tide of popular opinion in that day, first of all. Here's the stunning part. He is blind so that God's power might be seen at work in him. The guy's blind. He's, he's been begging most of his life. Uh, and I think when you read the story, when you, when you look at him... You think, you know, how sad's that? How tragic is this? But I want you to kind of visualize this a little bit. What appears to be a setback in this guy's life, the reality is it is a setup to bring God glory. And friends, you see this throughout Scripture. You know, there was a young man by the name of Joseph, and God told him, that he was going to be a great leader someday. And then his life kind of looks like it's coming undone. You know, he's betrayed. He's sold into slavery. He ends up being convicted of a crime that he didn't commit, and that leads to prison, and he spends years and years in prison. What appeared to be a setback in his life was actually God setting him up to become a great leader a great leader in Egypt. In fact, he'd be the second most powerful person at that time. There's a young shepherd boy by the name of David. God sent a prophet named Samuel to see David. He said, David, you will be the next king of Israel. I imagine he was pretty excited about that. He says, well, now what? Go back and shepherd. So he heads back, and he's a shepherd. That appears to be a setback, doesn't it? But the reality is, God was setting him up. God was setting him up so that he could hone his skills as a shepherd, so that one day when he would get in a fight, not only would he fight Goliath, but he would defeat that giant of a man. I mean, that's a great story, isn't it? David becomes king. David has a massive setback in his life. You know, David has an affair He gets a woman pregnant. To kind of cover it up, David has her husband killed. A very shameful setback. But friends, the whole time, God's working. God's working. What was a very serious setback in his life 
ultimately broke David. And it set David up because David would change his heart and ultimately he would become a man after God's own heart. For the rest of his life, he would live that way. See, I figured out something. In this life, in this world, we often see things and we look at it and we go, that's a setback, that's a terrible thing. This isn't good. Why am I going through this? But in God's economy, friends, what at first looks like a setback, oftentimes God's setting you up. God's setting you up to do something great in your life, to bring glory to to his name, to, to use you in a significant way. You know, the Apostle Paul, he writes, he says, we see in the mirror dimly. Everything's kind of foggy right now. But one day, we're going to see face to face. You know, I only know in part, Paul says, but God, God knows it all. I only know part of what's going on. God fully understands it. Isaiah, he puts it a little different. He says, God's ways are higher than our ways. If you don't understand something, it's okay. You know, you, you do not need to understand everything to believe in something. You don't. You know, when I was in uh, seventh grade, I've, I've told this before, I shattered my femur. And uh, I was in a spica cast to my chest, and I missed an, almost an entire year of school. And my mom and dad, they made a pallet for me on the floor. And so the reason why on the floor, I know a lot of people hear it and they go, oh, that's just terrible, your parents did. No, I could get around. I could, you know, crawl around on my arms. And, you know, I wasn't confined to, to a little bit of area. But I had a ton of time on my hands. I mean, a lot of time. And so I had an ant farm. Anybody ever have an ant farm? Ants. Ants are actually um, very organized, and they appear to me to be very smart. And I got where I could tell the difference between some of the ants. And I started kind of treating them like pets, and I even named a few of them, all right? I know, some of you are going, wow, I always knew you were kind of weird, Damon, and strange, but uh, now it's been confirmed. So there you go. Can you imagine, though... If I had decided, I didn't do this, by the way, but if I had decided, I'm going to train and teach my ants. I mean, can you imagine this? Like, I'm going to teach them math. Not not algebra, okay? I'm going to do something real basic with them. I'm going to teach them how to add, like, one plus two equals three. Now, even if I was a really good teacher... And so I gather the ants together, said, okay, guys, today's the day. Now, you've got one picnic, okay? Can you picture it? And then we go to two more picnics tomorrow. How many picnics have we been to? They're not going to understand, are they? Why? They're ants. See, it doesn't matter how good a teacher I am. It doesn't matter how true the math is. And it doesn't change my relationship with those ants, does it? But let's add another character to this story. So 
we've got the ants, we've got me, let's add God to the story. Now here's the tough part, and this will not be a picnic for you, all right? I am closer to the ants than I am to God in understanding. And so are you. You do not have to understand everything to believe in something. You don't. You know, our story continues. Jesus does something very unexpected. It says, after he said this, Jesus spat on the ground and made some mud with the spittle. He rubbed the mud on the man's eyes. Can you imagine that for a moment? I mean, it's, it's kind of gross, isn't it? You ever had a spit bath? <laughs> my, my mom and my, my grandma was notorious for them. And I got lots of them when I was a kid. You know, they, they'd, they'd go, oh, you got something on your face, and uh, then they'd proceed to get their, you know, just, just, just nasty. It was the only cleaning supplies we could afford, okay? <laughs> but um, I wish it had stopped when I was a kid, because I've actually had people that I don't even know very well, and they'll go, hey, Pastor, you got something on your face? <laughs> you know, and I'm not... I can't run fast enough, you know. It's like, oh, no. And so they're wiping my face with these spit lathered. Oh, oh. It's gross, isn't it? I know. <laughs> Here's the deal. How much spit does it take to make mud? <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm thinking the whole time I'm reading. How much? This guy's blind. He can't see Jesus, but I think he could hear him. What's he doing? Sounds like he's spitting a lot. And then he feels the mud being rubbed into his eyes. Scripture says, Jesus told him, go and wash your face. In the pool of Siloam. This means scent. I imagine that this guy's thinking, Praise God, I can go wash this off, you know. So the man went, washed his face, and came back what? Seen. You kind of wish the story just ended there, because it's a miracle, it's wonderful. This man who was blind, couldn't see, he goes to the pool, he washes off the mud, and now he can see. I find it interesting, the guy doesn't go back and thank Jesus. The guy was healed by Jesus, but he did not see Jesus. The guy heads straight home. I imagine he ran into the house, Mom, Dad, guess what? You're not going to believe this, I can see. You, you read the story and the people in the neighborhood are getting excited about it. Hey, isn't that the guy? Isn't that the boy next door? It looks like him. Isn't that the guy that begs on the street? It sure looks like him. Nah, it's not him. It's, it's somebody else. That's not that beggar. That's not our neighbor. You know, apparently the guy hears them talking. He goes, it's me. Check it out. I can see. This guy wants to have a party. He's excited. 
But the people want an explanation. How is it that you can see now? They wanted an explanation of this. This this can't be real. We don't understand what's happened here. This doesn't make sense. How, How is this possible? What's going on? He tells his story again. He tells everything that he knows. It's not good enough. The crowd, they, they take him. I get the sense he's a little bit reluctant, but they they like, we're going to go see the Pharisees. Again, they want an explanation of this. Scripture says the day that Jesus made the mud and cured him of his blindness was the Sabbath. Now the writer, John, he's trying to give us a little bit of insight. Sabbath is real important here. If this were a movie, this is the point that the dramatic music would kick in, that you would feel that sense of of suspense, you know. This is, everything's going to change because it's the Sabbath. See, the Sabbath, you weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. You were not to work. You were not to play. You were not to even walk on the Sabbath. Not to take a trip. Nothing. Jesus had done something. He was guilty. The Pharisees, they flip out. They want an explanation of what has happened. The Pharisees then asked the man again how he had received his sight. He told them, he put some mud on my eyes, I washed my face, and now I can see. I don't understand it all. All I know is that I've been blind since birth, and now I can see. It's a very simple story. It goes on, says, the man who did this cannot be from God. The Pharisees are, are kind of getting, getting on him now. For he does not obey the Sabbath law. Otherwise, however... How could a man who is a sinner perform such a miracle as these? And there was a division among them. So they didn't understand it. They couldn't explain it. Therefore, they could not believe it. And so you get this argument going on. This man, this man that healed you, he can't be from God. I mean, he did something that we've never seen before. This just isn't right. makes no sense. And at first you kind of go, well, that's a little squirreled up. But friends, we do this kind of stuff all the time. All the time. We, we, we try to confine God. You know, to keep God in this nice, neat little area, manageable, explainable. God could do this, but God could never do that. And what happens is we start praying that way. See, we ask God for the things that we view as possible, and we stay away from the things that seem impossible to us. Again, God is nice and neat and small, friends, really small. 
You know, once in a while I, I'll have a conversation uh, with someone or I'll get an email or someone will go, hey, you ought to check out so-and-so's blog. They're, they're talking about you or talking about the church. And, you know, I'll have these conversations and they go something like this. They'll go, I don't understand faith fellowship. I mean, your church uh, plays rock music sometimes. I don't get it. You know, you don't use the King James Bible as the only version of the Bible. And they'll kind of end with, God can't be working there. God can't be working there. See, because they don't understand, they can't see God working. Now, here's what cracks me up. I was a Methodist pastor for a long time. And I'd have the same conversations. But it was different, because then they would catch me and they go, I don't don't get it. I don't get the robes. I don't get the choir. I don't get the hymns, you know. And see, they didn't understand it, so they couldn't see God working. And I think how prideful and insulting it must be to God because we don't understand something. We automatically think God can't be working there. Friends, hear this. Sometimes... Sometimes, when you understand the least, God's working the most in your life. Some of you are in that situation today. You don't understand anything. And perhaps God's working the most right now. You got this argument going on, the Pharisees and the people and this guy that's been healed and you just sense it keeps going on and on and on. You know, Jesus did this. He shouldn't have done that. You know, that's not right. He he was blind from birth. Are we sure? I mean, maybe he pretended to be blind, you know. Maybe maybe he got the wrong guy. Somebody go get his parents. We got to get to the bottom of this. And so someone goes. They get get his mom and dad. They bring his mom and dad back. And it says... They ask him, they go, is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it he now can see? How is that possible? See, see, they want answers. They want an explanation. Mom and dad, they're very, very careful about what they say. In fact, if you read, read the story this week, they, the writer says they were afraid. His parents were afraid. They were afraid of the religious leaders. They were afraid of getting thrown out of the synagogue. And so I love their answer to, to him. They go, we know he's our son. And we know he was blind, born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of an age. He'll speak for himself. Do you picture this? They've asked the question. They're standing there with their son. Well, let's see. Hmm. Yep, that's our son. He was born blind. We know that for sure. He's been living at home a long time. But he can see now. Honey, he could get a job. He can move out of the house. Hallelujah. You know, it's like, 
That's not in the text. I just added that. But I'm, I'm a parent. I was thinking, yeah, I get it. I get it. A second time, they summoned the man who'd been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, we know this man is a sinner. Now, there's an underlying piece here. They're saying, give glory to God. Don't give glory to Jesus. Obviously, Jesus cannot be from God. We don't understand it, so this isn't possible. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, this is the, the blind man talking, the guy that's gained his sight. He says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. I, I don't know about the Sabbath law thing. Not really clear on it. I don't know if, if he's from God or not. There are a lot of things I don't understand. I probably never will understand. But there's one thing that's undeniable. There's one thing that I know for sure. That an hour ago I was blind and I could see. People ask me, in fact, I get asked often, you know, do you have, do you have doubts? Do you, do you ever question things? Friends, absolutely, all the time. All the time. There are a lot of things I do not understand. There are a lot of things I figure that I will never understand, at least not in this life. But there are some things that are undeniable in life. It's undeniable that I exist that you exist. It's undeniable that we exist on a planet called Earth. It's undeniable that this planet hangs in space somehow. I don't get it totally. And that it moves around the sun. You know, it's undeniable that we have the right amount of light and heat and rain, that things can grow, that we can survive. It's undeniable. And friends, it really leaves you with a couple options in life. One, there's a creator. The other is that we're just kind of a cosmic accident and that this world just happened. And friends, when I look at creation, when I watch a sunset or sun, the sunrise, I mean, when I really look at creation and examine it and admire it, it is undeniable to me that somebody created it. You know, I have to join with the psalmist and with Paul and say, all creation declares the glory of God. It screams it. You know, it's undeniable to me that Jesus Christ came to this world. It's undeniable that he, that he lived and he taught and that lives were changed somehow. It's undeniable that he died on a cross. I mean, the Romans were there when they, when they put him in the grave. And the Romans stood guard because they wanted to keep the body in the grave. And it's undeniable that history screams that he walked out of that grave just as he said he would. 
And there are hundreds of eyewitness testimonies to it. Overwhelming evidence if you study it. It's undeniable that those that were closest to him were willing to die for that truth. I mean, Mark, Mark was drugged until his limbs were torn off his body. Luke was hung. Peter, crucified, crucified upside down. James was beheaded. In fact, only one of the disciples survived and didn't die a martyr's death. And somehow, John, even though he had been dipped into boiling oil, he survived and he lived out his days as an exile on the Isles of Patmos. I mean, why were were they willing to die for that? Why were they willing to die horrific deaths? Because they had seen the risen Lord. It's undeniable. It's undeniable that the good news of Jesus Christ spread from Asia to Europe. It's undeniable that more than 2,000 years later, a third of this planet recognizes Jesus Christ as Savior. Friends, it's undeniable that God's word is alive. I mean, it's spoken to my heart many, many times. It's undeniable that when I gave my life to Jesus Christ and made him Lord and Savior of my life, that I was changed. You do not have to understand it. You do not have to explain it. In fact, you don't even have to believe in him but you cannot deny that something's happened in my life. And there are many of you that could give testimony to that. It's undeniable that when God's word is spoken, lives are changed. It's undeniable that chains get broken, sin gets defeated. It's undeniable that people that have had addictions all of a sudden are set free. You know, that self-centered people become other-centered in their life. People that have lost hope gain hope. I mean, that stuff's undeniable. You may not understand it, you may not agree with it, but you have to acknowledge something's going on. I mean, God is doing something And there are some things you will not understand. But you do not have to understand everything to believe in something. So you got all this arguing going on, this debate. Pharisees are trying to figure it out. The people are trying to figure it out. The guy's trying to figure it out. And finally, he's just like, you know, is this God? I don't know. I don't know how this happened. I don't understand. I don't really get it all. But one thing I know. I do not know everything, but this one thing I know, I was blind and now I can see. That gets him in serious trouble. The Pharisees throw him out of the synagogue for that statement. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asks. Tell me so that I may believe in him. It's just Jesus and this guy. This guy that's been blind, that now can see. 
He's seeing Jesus for the first time, physically seeing him. And it's interesting because now he's not only physically going to see him, spiritually he's going to be able to see. Scripture says this, it says, Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. I picture him saying, can you see me now? Can, Can you see me now? Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. This guy, he's at this point. He says, you know, I don't understand it all. I don't get everything that happened. But Lord, I've seen enough. I believe. Friends, when there's something you don't understand. You know, I know how this goes. Some of you go, well, you know, I, I, I prayed for this and it didn't happen. You know, I, I saw this on the news and it troubles me and I can't make sense of it. You know, I, I read this in scripture. I, I don't get it, you know. I, I've got this theological question and I just can't resolve it and I can't come to terms with it and it bothers me. And friends, I want to say, you do not have to understand everything to believe in something. You do not have to understand everything to believe that God created the world, that he's on the throne, that he's in control. You do not have to understand it all to understand and believe that God loves you that he sent his son to die for you, that God has a plan for your life. He wants you to live a life that's more abundant than where you are today. You know, I have figured out life without Jesus Christ, it's empty, it's empty. Only God is capable of filling that void that, that you have in your heart. There's no amount of possessions, no amount of power, no amount of pleasure or money or awards or whatever it is. I mean, some of you are pursuing stuff and you're trying to fill that void. And if you were honest, for just a moment, you would say, it's not working. You know why? Because it's a void that only God can fill. You do not have to understand everything. Today I want to tell you it's okay if you don't understand everything. But please do not let it wreck your faith. You know, some people spend their entire lives and they're in this debating mode, you know, always questioning God. Got to figure everything out before you take the next step. Friends, you do not have to understand everything to believe in something. You just don't. You know, you do not have to understand aerodynamics to know that a plane flies, do you? You do not have to understand combustion engines to get in your car after the service and drive home. You don't. If you understand it, great, but you don't have to. You do not have to understand everything as a Christian. You do not have to be able to explain why everything has happened in your life or why something didn't happen. You do not have to understand why you're in a situation that you're in presently. You just don't. 
In fact, I would challenge your thinking a little bit today. Some of you are in a place and you can't figure out why you're there. Perhaps, maybe you should consider, just maybe, that this thing that has happened, this place that you are today, maybe you're there so that God can bring glory. So that God can use you in a significant way. You do not have to understand everything to believe in something. You just don't. And friends, I pray that you'll take that step with me, you know, where there's a point where you just go, you know what, Lord? It's enough. I believe and I will worship you. You know, I don't know where you're at today, but I'd encourage you. Maybe you've been wrestling with something. And I will tell you that the wise in life, they will undo you. It's okay to ask the wise, but I figured out there are many times I can't get the answer to the wise. Or I haven't gotten them yet. Some of the things years ago, I go, why, 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 why? I get it today. I go, wow, only God could do that. I'd challenge you to just give it to God. And say, you know what? I don't understand it all. But this I know. This is where I'm at. And this is what God's doing. Just let God have it. Let, let, let's stand and have a word of prayer together. Our holy God. There are many things in all of our lives. And I know personally, Lord, that um, there are just a lot of things I don't understand. But I do know that you are Lord. I do know that you care about what's going on. And that you are absolutely in control. And God, those times when I'm struggling to figure it out. And I know there are some here today that are trying to figure it out. God, help us just to lean on you, trust you. God, may we worship you, even in the midst of it. God, we... um, This life can be tough sometimes. God, I pray that uh, those that are in a situation right now that uh, they're just struggling, that your Holy Spirit would speak to their heart, that you would help them find the things that are undeniable in their life. That they'd lean on you. God, we give you the glory. May we praise you with all we say and do. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.